Welcome to the Cool Explorations podcast and radio program with your host, Tony Peters. I hope you'll enjoy today's segment. Today we come to one of my most absolute favorite passages uh, of scripture, um, aside from Psalms and uh, Revelation, and that is uh, the account of Stephen, uh, and we'll get into Philip as well. Uh, And that is just because Stephen is so bold in his faith, uh, knowing that what he says will mean death, he still proclaims the word and the faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, he does it by recounting Jewish tradition and Jewish passages back to them because he knows them and he's showing that he knows this and that is why he is so bold in his faith and why he is so convinced that Jesus was the Messiah and we can take such great example from that as well as such great strength from that and uh, so that's why I I love the account of Stephen uh, and uh, Philip that follows Uh, and the growing company of believers in Jerusalem and consequent difficulties about the care of those in need led to the appointment of seven men to have oversight of the daily ministration, and that is in Acts 6.1. And while these men were primarily to have responsibility for material needs, they were also daily proclaimers of the gospel, And two in particular were outstanding, and that is the two I mentioned, Stephen, uh, who became the first martyr for Christ, and Philip, the evangelist who went to Samaria. And they also chose deacons, and the occasion for the selection of the seven was the feeling on the part of the uh, Hellenists or Greek-speaking Jews that their widows were being neglected. Uh, the apostles recognized their preeminent spiritual duties of prayer and the ministry of the word uh, called for the appointment of seven men to oversee the care of the temporal needs. Although the word deacons is not used in this passage, its root form is found in the verb translated serve, uh, tables, uh, Acts 6.2. From this beginning, apparently, the office of the deacon developed. Possibly all seven appointed were Greeks, for they all had Greek names. Uh, And the apostles saw to it that there was no discrimination in the distribution to those in need. Uh, There is no further mention of complaint on the part of anyone in the church. and that's something that, that we need to take note of, is, is, is the lack of complaint. Uh, we need to be content in how um, God has called us and where God has called us to, and use our gifts accordingly. And that being said, however, the spiritual and temporal need uh, was, still, uh, was still together. It, they can't be separated. Even though the deacons were to provide for physical and material needs, 
They were to be men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And that's Acts 6, verse 3. And we see that they did not confine themselves to material concerns, but preached tirelessly and fearlessly. And that just is so important that we get out there and we preach and we stand up for our faith and we do so tirelessly and fearlessly. So boldly speaking the word of God and boldly sharing our belief in Jesus Christ. The stirring address of Stephen, the longest recorded in Acts, and it was without question an example of the fulfillment of the promise of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 10, 19-20, where it says, But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father that speaks in you. The Holy Spirit was indeed speaking in Stephen to these religionists who proclaimed to hold so strongly to the law of Moses and to their ancestral traditions. He rehearsed the history of Israel from the time the God of glory appeared to Abraham, and that's in Acts 7-2. He traced the instances of God's grace to them and their ungrateful responses. As for Moses, who had been so prominently mentioned in their attacks upon Stephen, that great man had been misunderstood and rejected by his people also. But they understood not. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? And the same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. And that's Acts 7, 25 and 35. By referring to Moses' prophecy of the prophet, Acts 7, 37, Compare that to Deuteronomy 18, 15-18, and you can see that Stephen drew, by implication, a parallel between Moses and the Lord Jesus Christ. They were opposing Christ because of their supposed respect for and obedience to Moses in the same way. And then you see next Acts seven thirty nine, where it says, To whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. This is gathered up uh, in the climatic um, charge uh, where you see Acts 7 51 to 53 where, it's, where Stephen says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. And that just shows the boldness again, that even though he knew those words were likely going to anger them, they were the truth. 
and he was not going to lie. The Holy Spirit was in him and had a message to share, and no matter whose toes he stepped on, he was going to share that message. That message could not be silenced. And that is something we need to really take example of and take note of. To be humble does not mean being weak. The fury of these religious leaders is almost unbelievable and indescribable. And like a pack of mad dogs, they gnashed on him with their teeth. And we see that in Acts 7.54. Stephen, the faithful witness, was filled with the Holy Spirit and was permitted to see his ascended Lord ready to receive him into his presence. The council, which should have been a solemn, deliberative body, weighing evidence carefully and deciding cases righteously, proved to be instead a cruel and murderous mob. And it is in this scene, so full of, of pathos, and yet so graced by the presence of the Lord, and so ennobled um, by the forgiving prayer of the martyr, that there first comes to view the man who, by God's appointment, is largely to fulfill the succeeding record, which we see in Acts 7.58, where it says, The witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And later, with sorrow, this man was to think back upon this time. Uh, Acts 22, 19-20 So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. When the blood of your martyr, Stephen, was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. So we see Saul, who became Paul, was there. He was there to witness it. He was there to encourage it, to oversee it, and make sure that it happened. And yet he became a bold witness for Christ who would himself be beaten and would suffer so for, for his faith in Christ. That is another example we can take from here. That it doesn't matter what our past is, what we've done or believed in the past. What matters is what we believe now, what we do now. That is what matters. We need to put our faith in Jesus Christ, accept him as our Savior, and then go and preach the word of God and share it with other people. And if so led, um, I believe we should all be baptized. And we should be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now we can take a look at the ministry of Philip uh, and others in Samaria. Another one of the seven deacons now comes into prominence. Uh, and up to this time, the gospel had been preached in Jerusalem, and presumably to some extent in all Judea. And now the next part in the Lord's program was to be carried out. Uh, we see this in Acts 8 verse 5, where Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And Philip's preaching was blessed by God and resulted in abounding joy to a multitude of people. And we see that in Acts 6, verse, is, uh, 
in Acts 8, verses 6 to 8. In this section of Acts, we again find the importance of baptism uh, as an outward sign of repentance. Uh, and that's why I do believe we should all be baptized. Uh, when the Samaritans believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And that's, that's uh, found in Acts 8, verses 12. And, and other passages in Acts uh, that deal with baptism are Acts 2, 38 to 41, 8, 36 to 38, 10, 47 to 48, 16 to 30, uh, 30 to 33, and 22, 12 to 16. Uh, and it's repeated over and over. And that's why I think it's so important as it's such an outward proclamation of our faith and declaration of our faith that we're proud to be baptized for Christ and not pride in the sense of uh, it, it's um, gone to the point of it being a sin. No, it's we're, we're proud of the fact that we are Christians. We're happy to be Christians. We're not ashamed. We are proud to be believers in Christ. And... Uh, so that is, is that outward proclamation that shows why baptism is so important. Uh, that is not to say you can't be a Christian if you aren't baptized. Um, that stretches it too far. But I do believe that all Christians should gladly go and be baptized and make that public declaration uh, and commitment to Christ. Uh, and the question has often been raised concerning the necessity of laying on of the apostles' hands for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had fallen upon the believers in Jerusalem, including the apostles, and that was without the laying on of hands. So that is not a necessary step. Uh, the Holy Spirit had fallen upon the believers in Jerusalem, including the apostles, and he didn't do it with the laying on of hands. It was just a gift that was, that, that was given to them. Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them and made them so empowered and so vocal about their faith. Uh, and it seems that in the transition events, God was using the apostles, who had been eyewitnesses of the ministry of Christ, to confirm that um, that what the Lord had said about the opening and kingdom of heaven was truth. And these... Uh, here were basically despised by the Samaritans and they despised the Samaritans themselves and yet they were the recipients of the Holy Spirit just as the believing Jews had been. The Holy Spirit is given to everyone. So if you put your faith in Jesus Christ you will receive the Holy Spirit. doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter race, gender. None of that matters you will be given the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John attested the opening of the door to them. They saw it. They experienced it. They witnessed it. And the experience of Simon the sorcerer is somewhat difficult to interpret. Uh, it may be that he had only an awkward profession, not the inner reality of faith. Those who understand Acts 8.13 to mean that Simon had been saved, uh, believed that Peter, in admonishing him later, was not saying that he was lost, but that he had need of repentance. 
and restoration. Uh, and that was to come back to a fellowship with God. And we can't be sure how deep or how genuine Simon's plea was. Uh, we weren't there to experience it. Uh, where he says in Acts 8.24, Pray you to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. The lesson for us is quite clear in this, that the spiritual gifts are not obtained by human or material needs, but they are freely given by God. Freely given. We just have to give up our soul and say, Lord, I give it to you. I give everything to you. Take my soul, take my life, and do with it whatever you wish. I will follow your commands. I will obey you. I believe in Jesus Christ the Son. I want him to be my Savior. I want to follow him. Show me where you want me to go. And that willingness to follow to obey, to become a servant of, of Christ, to become a servant of God. That is what we're called to, to become servants so that we may know that our soul for all eternity will be given a new body as we go up into heaven and the new earth and everything is going to be made new. Everything is going to be refreshed and we want to be a part of that but we have to believe in Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to be servants for Jesus Christ. That's an important step. It's a step that can't be missed. And while a great revival was going on in Samaria, ordinary men would think it foolish for Philip to leave this scene of activity and go out on a lonely road. Here was a man, however, who was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And because he was willing to obey, his mission was successful. The witness to one man, no doubt, was indirectly the cause of winning many others to the Lord Jesus Christ. We never know the amount of impact our actions are going to have. We just have to have faith and believe that Jesus will work and the Holy Spirit will take it and with those seeds, we'll create that soul harvest. We'll create that, that power to take other people and bring them into belief with Jesus Christ. That's not something we can do. We can't take credit for bringing people to Christ. That's not us who's doing that. That is the Holy Spirit. We are just planting seeds and not knowing how or where those seeds are going to land is... is sometimes the hard part because you just don't know but you have to have faith you have to trust and believe that the Holy Spirit knows what is best and will do with those words that you spoke the song you sung the actions you took those are all seeds that will be used we're all given so many gifts we just have to be willing to use those gifts and if you're not sure what your gifts are feel free to talk to your pastor or look in the scripture and pray that the Lord will give you guidance as to what your gifts are. And we can imagine the perplexity of the Ethiopian official who met with Philip, and who was evidently a proselyte to the Jewish religion, as he 
read the prophecy of Isaiah 53, verse 7 to 8, and this passage written by inspiration about 700 years before, it graphically pictured the vicarious sufferings and death of the Lord Jesus Christ hundreds of years before it happened. To the Ethiopian's question about the subject of the prophecy, Philip opened his mouth and preached unto him Jesus. Acts 38, verse 35, or verse, sorry, Acts 8, verse 35. And uh, you can see the Holy Spirit took over. The Holy Spirit guided what was going to be said once again, knowing the impact and knowing what needed to be said. That's where trusting the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit had a prepared listener for a prepared messenger. The response of the Ethiopian to the word of God was saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the result was great joy. Receiving God, receiving the Holy Spirit, should bring great joy, should make you just overflowing with an emotion of happiness, knowing that you have the Lord. And as a newly born-again Ethiopian, went on his way rejoicing. Acts 8.39 Philip was caught away by the Spirit of God for further intensive and fruitful ministry. And it may well be that some who are reading or listening to this uh, have never received the one about whom the Ethiopian inquired. If you've never received Jesus Christ, if that is you, and if that is true of you, may you turn to him who was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities. And you see that Isaiah 53 verse 5 is what predicted this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 6. That predicts Jesus Christ. It shows us that Jesus Christ was our Messiah. He was the one, the awaited one, for whom all our sins would come upon his shoulders, and he would take away all those sins. He would wash us clean and make us holy in his sight so that we could live with him up in heaven. We could be with him for all eternity. It takes faith. It takes believing. It takes conviction. And yes, it takes being persecuted. You're going to be persecuted for your faith. People are not going to like that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to mock you. They're going to beat you. And in some cases, they will kill you for your faith. The question is, are you willing to take the mocking? Are you willing to take a beating? Are you willing to be put to death for your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you that filled with the Holy Spirit that you have that conviction, that power of the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit will protect you. The Holy Spirit will get you through those tough times. And if you die, you can know 
that you are going to heaven. You will see Jesus. You will get to worship Heavenly Father. You'll get to bow at his feet, see him seated upon his throne. And when the second coming arrives, you will be with Jesus Christ, returning with the warrior king, coming to set the world free, coming to make the world new again, to rid the world of Satan, to bind him up for a thousand years. You want to be part of that. You want to be in that crowd. You want to be on that right side of history, as everyone talks about being on the right side of history these days. That is the side of history that you want to be on. The side that is fighting for Christ. The side that is willing to give up their life for Christ. The side that boldly preaches the word of Christ, no matter what the consequences. And I know in many parts of the world, following Christ will get you rejected by your family, by your friends. And in many cases, in many places around the world, it could mean that those same people will turn you in to the authorities and the authorities will torture you. They will imprison you or they'll just put you to death. That is, is a fate that we must pray about. It's a faith that we need to pray that the Holy Spirit gives us strength to get through. Because we can't do it alone. The Holy Spirit needs to come upon us, needs to be a part of us, needs to guide us. And when we preach, the Holy Spirit needs to guide our words. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit guides our words. And we need to make sure that we have asked the Lord Jesus to come into our heart, to wipe us free of sin, to give us the confidence and the boldness. And we need to just have that confidence. And the Holy Spirit is what will provide that. We see that in Acts as the Holy Spirit comes on and creates many wondrous, wondrous things to happen. Miracles, speaking of tongues, um, and just so many things and, and the empowerment with giving many gifts of different ways that we can all serve, understanding that none of us are the same. We're all different, and yet we're all the same in that we have the Holy Spirit. If you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and you're not sharing God's word, why are you not sharing God's word? If you're not standing up against all the different attacks on, on our faith and our religion, why are you not standing up? Do you have that boldness, that confidence? And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, why have you not? You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to believe in him, trust him, and ask that the Holy Spirit be your guide. And ask that with confidence and boldness. Thank you for listening to the Cool Explorations podcast and radio program. I hope that you've enjoyed today's segment, and uh, I hope that you'll consider supporting us at uh, Cool Explorations on Patreon, as well as uh, you can shoot me an email at tpeters745 at gmail.com if you'd like to support in other ways other than Patreon.